0: What's up, ASM High School? Glad you are joining us as we are back in our series of Galatians Set Free, Live Free. Uh, today, I'm going to start out just by telling you a story. It's a, it's a sad story. It's a story about a little boy who's orphaned at a very young age and he's given to his next of kin. And, and the sad thing is, the family that he's given to, uh, they're awful. They're unkind, they're, they're, they're abusive. He, he's offered very little to eat. He's unwanted, and not only is he unwanted, but he's told so, in fact. He's reminded often about how much of a, a drain he is on the family. Uh, he's belittled, discarded, uh, to the extent that eventually he ends up living in basically a, a closet. And yet, someone in this boy's story arrives to let him know that he is more than what he thinks he is. That he eventually comes to realize that he has been invited. He's been given an invitation to become part of a community, to live his true identity. And he is actually the heir of a small fortune. That's right. I'm talking to you about my favorite orphan wizard, Harry Potter. See, we all have a story like this in fact. Or or at least we have the opportunity to experience it. We've all wondered, do I belong? We've all feared that we are not really wanted. And maybe you've experienced that more acutely than than other people that you've come into contact with, and for that I'm I'm truly sorry, but I'm I'm here to tell you that there is a God who says that we do belong and that you are wanted. And, And he went to incredible lengths to prove it to you. We're gonna open our Bibles today to the New Testament. We're looking at Galatians chapter three, verses 23 through four, seven. So if you have a copy of God's word, go ahead and open that on your phone, grab a physical copy. If you need to run and get one, go do that, press pause, We'll wait. Glad you're back. Uh, 3.23 through 4.7. Here's what Paul says as he's writing to the church in Galatia. Before the coming of this faith, this faith being Jesus, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian, until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in christ jesus if you belong to christ then you are abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise starting in chapter 4 what i am saying is that as long as an heir is underage he's no different from a slave although he owns the whole estate the heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery, under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, here's the beautiful news. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. See, our big idea today is going to be very simple. You belong because God wants you. You belong because he wants you. And we're going to need to unpack some of the text, some reminders, some things that will help us to, to remember where we've been, where we're coming from. There, the law is spoken of quite a bit in this passage, so we have to understand what is Paul talking about. He's talking specifically about the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments. But in a broader context, there are 613 commands in the Hebrew Scriptures, or what we refer to now as the Old Testament and see our problem is the same as the israelites of the hebrew scriptures it's an inability an inability to keep the law perfectly we can't do it and in fact james a new testament author the brother of jesus says this in james chapter 2 verse 10 for whoever keeps the whole law they do it all perfectly and yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. See, because here's the problem. The law is the standard of godliness. It's what it means to live like God intended. And the standard is perfection. And you and I, we are incapable. But we have in this passage an amazing reminder of God's grace, that God in his infinite love for us sent his only son to pay the penalty of our lawbreaking on our behalf. He died a death that we deserved on the cross, was buried, and then rose again to, as this passage will remind us, redeem us from the penalty of our own sin. The context of this passage will reveal that this is no small deal. The first point I want us to see is from our first three verses, that the law only has temporary custody. If we go back and look at this passage, I want you to see something. The the passage reads like a custody battle. Listen to the words that, that Paul uses. He says, before the coming of this faith, so before the coming of Jesus, we were held in what? Custody under the law locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified or declared righteous by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We're gonna find out what we are now if we have accepted Christ. But what we know is that if we have accepted Christ, we're no longer under the guardian of the law. See, the law had a purpose, which we've talked about before. We talked about it two weeks ago. And, and here's something we need to understand. It's not a perfect analogy, this Harry Potter theme that I threw out before. It's not perfect, right? The, the law, as a guardian, it wasn't abusive like Harry's Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia. It, it wasn't, however, meant to save us either. It was a reflection of the character of God, a reminder to us of what it looks like to live as God originally intended. See, our problem is not the law. Our problem is not the law. The law did not usher in sin, we did. You and I, we brought it. The law lets us know that we have a sin problem. Two weeks ago, we talked about this is the law as a diagnostic test something that helps us to see, oh yeah, the results of the test, I'm sick. I need a cure. The law was meant to point us toward a loving God until the faith in this passage, or Jesus, the Savior, was revealed. And we live the other side of history from Jesus being revealed. So what does that mean for us? we know what the law was it was our guardian it what it did hold custody what do we do now which brings us to the next thing we see in this passage in the next four verses is that god's family destroys dividing lines let's read it so in christ jesus you are all children of god through faith for all of you who were baptized And we can just say for baptized there, if you're unfamiliar with this, it's a public declaration of your faith. Into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, if you have trusted in Christ for salvation, then you are, according to this passage, you are Abraham's seed. Meaning that you are heirs according to the promise. The promise that was given to Abraham. That he would produce a people who would be for God. They would be his people. See, this passage says some interesting things. That we clothe ourselves with Christ, and what I want us to hear there is it's as though we take off our old identity, this this orphan or lost, this one who's under custody, who's in the system, as it were, and we put on a new identity that is shared with Jesus. We said two weeks ago that we, we, not, we don't just take on a new identity, it's as though God looks at us when we've accepted what Christ has done for us, and it's as though he looks at us as though we have done everything Christ has ever done. We put on his identity. The world, however, and it won't take long, a cursory glance at, at social media, at any news outlet will tell you this, the world is trying to point out everything that divides you and me. Everything. Everything. Let's just go over a few. Right wing, left wing, rich, poor, male, female, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, etc. I'm not saying that these differences aren't important. In fact, I think they're beautiful. They're part of what makes us who we are. They just pale as identifiers in comparison to who God says we are if you belong to Christ. Because if you belong to Christ, we're going to find out that you're something much more than all of those other things. See, God invites us through his son to be a part of his family, not just added to the family, but in fact, given a share in it. That's absurd. You're not, you're not born into God's family. So, so isn't it absurd that you would get a fair share in the, in the family goods, but you are counted as a true son or daughter. It says, heirs according to the promise, the promise of the promised one who is Jesus. See, God didn't just send his son to wipe away the stain of sin. God sent Jesus so that he could adopt you. And in order to be adopted, you first had to be redeemed is what, what we'll see here in this next passage. But I want you to understand this, that adopted means wanted. Think about that. If someone is adopted, it means someone went through, someone else went through the process of looking at that person and saying, I choose you, I want you. Let's go to verses one through seven in chapter four. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, before coming to Christ, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. That's a strange statement, but we'll get to it. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption To sonship because you are his sons we could say or daughters God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts the spirit who calls out Abba father so you are no longer a slave but God's child and since you are his child God has made you also an heir let's not get lost in the weeds here all right I think we need to understand what is this passage really saying to us? What is it saying to the Galatians that it's also saying to us? That there is a spiritual reality taking place, that we're not just orphans under custody of the law as the beginning of our passage said, this is actually telling us that our condition is maybe far worse. We're not just orphans, we're orphaned slaves. We are slaves to the elemental spiritual forces of the world here's what paul is saying in a very poetic way you are slaves to sin to the thing that has broken our world they are the elemental spiritual forces of this world sin it's what we've done to break the world and then we became enslaved to it And you can't get much further from being a child who is also an heir of the entire estate than a slave. You don't just, you don't get much further off. Because let's think about what a slave is. And what we're not talking about here, I want to be clear. I think when we hear the word slave in our our modern day connotation, immediately we go to like, early America's slavery. That's not actually what Paul is talking about. And I think we're we're pretty unfamiliar, most of us in our everyday lives, with what slavery might look like. So let me just help us. Slaves are bankrupt. Slaves have no possessions. They have no real hope of a better future. None. See, this is taking a concept of something the Galatians would have seen in their world around them and saying, this is what your spiritual condition was before jesus came and called you out by paying your price see jesus it's important it said in this passage was born of a woman and born under the law this is so important he is fully god yes absolutely the fact that he's born of a woman means that he is also fully human And as a human, he's born into this world that is being held in custody by the law. Here's what is amazing about Jesus. He did something you and I were not, are not capable of. He lived under the law as someone who was not a lawbreaker. If we went back to James, if you kept the whole law in its entirety, that's it right there. That's Jesus we're the ones where it goes on to say, but stumble at yet one point. Jesus doesn't break it at all. In fact, Jesus has these words to say at the beginning of his famous sermon in Matthew chapter five, verse 17, he says this, do not think that I have come to abolish or get rid of, do away with the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I have come to do what no one before me has been able to do, to live this life perfectly in a godly manner that gives reverence and obedience to the law in a way that no other human has ever been able to do so that he might be the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus is the only one who could redeem or buy us back out of our slavery because he's the only one who fulfilled the requirements where all else failed. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice see it's one thing to be freed from something we're freed from sin it's another thing to be freed to something we can be freed from the eternal consequences of our sin sure we, we've we've heard that but we hear something incredible in this passage we're also invited to be a part of God's family to have close and intimate relationship with him as Jesus does to call him this passage says Abba father. That we have that spirit within us, that we have been invited to to see God this way as daddy, papa, an endearing close-knit term. And then we see that we are adopted in verse 5. This is so cool. We are adopted, says that we take on the identity of a true son. That God does not view us as partial children, but full heirs. This means that adoption means you are wanted, you're chosen. You are not the result of some cosmic accident. It means that God literally says, of all the lost orphan children, I choose you. We're adopted. See, we all fear that we don't belong or that we aren't wanted. We've all experienced that fear. I know I'm not alone in that. The Bible paints a different narrative that we are liked even when we don't like ourselves, that we are loved when we are at our most unlovable and that we are wanted more than we could ever imagine even though we are not needed. And at the end of the first Harry Potter book, as the characters are about to board the Hogwarts Express for the summer, Harry's asked this question. And in this question is this, feels strange to be going home, doesn't it? Harry's answer, not going home, not really. It's because Harry found his true family and God is calling you to become a son or a daughter to leave the custody of the law, to take the invitation to be a full-fledged son or daughter. And God is shouting through his own son that you are wanted and you have a place to belong. Because again, our big idea is this, that you belong simply because God wants you. Thanks for joining us, guys.